The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Good afternoon. I'm speaking to you live just outside the Olympic Village in Munich, West Germany. At this moment, eight or nine athletes of the Israeli team are being held prisoner. These guerrillas are a group called Black September. And then those have automatic weapons on the hostages. A deal had been made. Now the Israelis have disappeared. Massive security forcing in front of it. The Arabs have taken <laughs> civilization finds it necessary to negotiate compromises with its own values we want to ask you will you undertake a mission you will have to leave the country and your family I can't live with refusing this we have 11 Palestinian names each had a hand in planning Munich you're going to kill them one by one we deposit money into a box that doesn't exist. 200,000 for one name. Am I alone? You'll have four others. They know useful things like documents, cars, clean up. He gets in the bed, his weight arms the device. I give the signal by switching off the light. It's strange. Think of oneself as an assassin. Think of yourself as something else, then. What's wrong? It should have exploded by now. We found three more names for you. You know how many laws we've broken? You take up the phone. We hit the remote. Hello. Hello. We're supposed to be righteous. I lose that. That's that's my soul. Dear Papa, don't forget my voice. You think you can't outrun your fears, your doubts? Hello and welcome to the latest film club and since we're at the anniversary of the 1972 Munich Olympics which took place in September we're discussing Steven Spielberg's Munich which was released in 2005. The Munich Olympics saw one of the most brutal terrorist attacks of the 20th century as Israeli members of the Olympic team competing on German soil for the first time since the Second World War and with all that meant were attacked on the 5th of September 1972. In a standoff with German police, which lasted a little more than 12 hours, it ended with tragedy as all 11 were killed by Black September terrorists at an airfield just outside of Munich. The operation to free the hostages was a total disaster, with the Germans failing to protect the Israeli team. I highly recommend the film One Day in September, which won Best Documentary Feature at the Oscars in 2000. Now I'll hand you over to Tim and I discussing the film, but we have a special guest appearance from one of the stars of the film, who I chat with halfway through the pod for five minutes, so that's a treat. Next month's film club is The Bounty, starring Anthony Hopkins and Mel Gibson, and this Saturday it's part two of my discussion on the Parthenon Marbles, where I talk with the other side. But until then, I'll hand you over to me, Tim Hewitt, and Farouk Pruti talking Munich. Tim Hewitt, welcome back to our latest episode of the Aspects of History Film Club. Thanks for and having me. We are here for Munich. Munich the film. Munich the film, yes. Steven Spielberg's film, 2005 film. This is not the Munich, the Edge of War uh, film starring Jeremy Irons that came out in 2021. And it was... It's released in 2005. It was a film about the Munich massacre 
and then the Israeli response to it. And so, so Tim, this film was, we had a budget of 70 million. It made 131 million in the box office. I know you and I think this is a brilliant film. It is, it's not uncontroversial. No. Because obviously it deals with the Israel-Palestine issue. And I mean, the 1972 Munich Olympics massacre was was controversial in itself. This was your choice, Tim. So why did you choose Munich? Well, I actually think it may be one of Steven Spielberg's most underrated films. What are the others? Uh, Perhaps along with, I know it did very well, but I still think that Minority Report is underrated. Brilliant. Almost one of Steven Spielberg's most un-Spielberg films. It's dark. It's lit in a way that he doesn't usually like films. It's really gritty. There are quite nasty bits in it. I know he's Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan has both have particularly gruesome elements to them. But I think Munich is, I don't want to say it was a sleeper, but it feels like a sleeper when it comes to his oeuvre, his body of work. It's terribly serious You know, when we compare it to some of his other films like the BFG and Ready Player One, stuff like that, that really demonstrate his variety of filmmaking. You know, this is a p- very mature, grown-up, very serious subject matter. And then films that he makes years after this, like, for example, Ready Player One, the films that you feel would be made by 20-year-olds. And I still think he's got that variety in his his work, even to up today if you look at stuff his latest like the fablemans which was written by tony kushner who also wrote this uh, tony kushner also wrote lincoln which we've done on the podcast and i just think it's a really really underrated film that i have watched quite a few times and i always find something new in it every time i watch uh, the film great performances really good script yes it's controversial i i understand but it isn't a documentary I, yeah i just think it's a really good film it is, it is great cast. So, uh, mm. but you know, it didn't make. I just given the figures, it made one hundred and thirty-one million mm. with a budget of seventy. That's not amazing, is it, for a Spielberg? No, no, it's not. I it's mean, not it's quite a... doubling your money. No, it's but not suppose, Jurassic Park, but it's not unhealthy, is it? A, a good. 60, no, I mean, uh, uh, people million. made people made their money back. I guess uh, uh, the. But I guess it does, it does, that is indicative of the fact that perhaps it's not the sort yeah. of film that's going to reach the masses yeah, uh, in terms of box office draw. But it, I think it's a really solid piece of work. Um, well, let's talk about the cast. It's slightly male-dominated. Eric Barner is the, mm-hmm. ti- is the, is the main role. Uh, I always say he's title role. He doesn't play Munich. Eric Barner plays... No, he plays the protagonist. Protagonist. Uh, Daniel <laughs> Craig, uh, Kieran uh-huh. Hines, Matthew Kofferswitz, um mm-hmm. Hans Zischler and Jeffrey Rush. This is obviously pre-Bond for I Craig. think it's during Bond, isn't it? Oh, wait. When when was Casino Royale? Uh, I think Casino Royale was 2000... I want to say 2008, wasn't it? Or 2006, sorry. So a year So later, I think it was just before, yeah. Perhaps this really did help cement his. I his heard he got casting. the Bond role because of Layer Cake. Oh yes, well that's pretty obvious actually when you watch yeah. Layer Cake. Yeah, he's really good in that. I think yeah. he was an okay Bond. Yes, I know you think he was an okay. He was actually one of my favorite Bonds, but but he's one of the worst dressed Bonds. <laughs> no, he was the worst dressed Bond. Awful when, skin his... tight suits with middle vents and ties oh, right, that yeah. had these. Awful tie pins and oh my, he looked like a next salesman. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were going for. <laughs> so I just had to get that off my chest. Um, yeah. uh, but anyway, he's brilliant in this, and, and I'm a big fan of Daniel Craig. He's he's uh, yes, he was like pre. But the thing is, is that I guess they, they I've always said that they always they never cast stars as James Bond, which is why I'm still a little bit skeptical about all these super famous people that people think is are going to play Bond, like Tom Hardy and, and Henry Cavill and people like that. And like, if you look at the history, they've never really cast a star. And Craig was not, was obviously an, wasn't an exception. And I really liked his stuff he did before, but he was a bit of a character actor popped up in a lot of sort of supporting roles and stuff like this. Our Friends in the North in the 90s. 
Yeah, a really good film called, I think no one's ever heard of it, a film called The Jacket with Adrian Brody and Kira Knightley, uh, where he plays a, an American patient in a lunatic asylum. Oh, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and he's really he's he's good. He's he's a little bit oh, are you putting on an American accent? But it's fine. Road to Perdition. Yeah, he's excellent in that. Mm-hmm. The scar. He's not mm. no, that's Jude Law who's scarred in it. He plays the son of of, yes. J- uh, of, um, uh, of Newman. Newman. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's Daniel Craig <laughs> dealt with. Yeah, and we Eric haven't Banner. mentioned Eric Barner, who is he's 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 really he's always been one of my faves. Actually, he's. he's yeah, I don't know why we haven't seen more of him recently because he is very good. He, he's made his name as a stand-up comedian in Australia. Yes, and then he did uh, his first film, uh, Chopper, which is excellent. Uh, where Highly which is brilliant. In, yeah, uh, I mean, technically that could be on your podcast because it's based on a true story. It is, uh, but I don't think it's that historic. Do you? <laughs> no, let's wait uh, twenty years, maybe. But um, no, I mean, what I mean is that he played a um a, a a criminal who was a nasty piece of work. Yes, very very nasty, but but weirdly charismatic. Yeah, but I don't think that and a bit is... and quite funny actually as well. But let me put it like this: mm. he was not um as important to world history as say the Israel Palestine conflict, which is what we're here to talk about. Exactly, you're absolutely right. Uh, check... And then. Kieran Hines, love Kieran Hines. Yes, always solid, brilliant, supporting character actor. And then um, Matthew Kosovitz, who we mentioned, is, is mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of his director of La Haine, one of my favourite films. And he's in a really good TV show at the moment called Le Bureau, which is a, a TV series. You can get it on Amazon Prime. He plays a French Secret Service agent and... He it's it's deuxième bureau is is the name of the French version of MI6. And it's really, really good because obviously, you know, France has all these interests in North Africa. So it's all involved with that and with Islamic terrorism. And Kasovitz plays this agent who everyone's it's in it's really it's almost it's I know this word is overused, but it is le carré-esque in that you don't know who loyalties lie. All very interesting. He also has one of the greatest and funniest cameos in a film called The Fifth Element. Well, I know with, The Fifth Element. What's with, he's he's the guy who mugs Bruce Willis and he says, I'm gonna try and do my best impression. He does, he says, Give me the cash. Give me the cash. That's him. Wow. That's him. <laughs> it's kind of high. <laughs> well, but the thing I love about this film is it does have Three great French actors. So yes, um, yes, we mentioned it, but it, it obviously also has, in my opinion, well, no, so it feels like he's the only French actor ever to appear in English language films, and that's Michael Lonsdale. Well, the Bond connection, of course, he's the bad guy in Moonraker. He's yes, he's in he's the the police guy in The Day of the Jackal with Edward Fox. Excellent um, film. He's the French representative in the remains of the day. It's like we need a French actor. Oh, it's him. Yes, yes. Him. <laughs> yes, he has painful feet in the remains of the day, doesn't yes. he? Yes. Exactly. I, I need hot water and salt. <laughs> but he's always really solid. I mean, he's excellent in this as well. Well, I saw him in a really, really good film with with Matthew Amaric myself uh, in the cinema actually. And what was it called? It was it was really really dark he plays this com- a ceo of a company and amelric is is an employee of the company and there's it's all mixed up with sort of with the holocaust and guilt french guilt about the treatment of jews post uh, it's it's um it's really interesting it's a french film heartbeat detector so in okay. French, I think it's called La Question Humaine. And it's really, really weird, interesting film where oh. Amelric, who is That's also good. in Munich, plays a psychologist in a HR department of this company that has this sort of Holocaust connections and, and made its money as a mm. result of the Holocaust. French company. Okay. Uh, and Lonsdale plays the CEO who's sort of, you know, morally bankrupt. And... Uh, anyway, 
uh, slightly going off on a tangent there, but he's a, a wonderful actor. And Amalric, we should also call him out. He's been another Bond connection. He's a bad guy. Yes, yeah, exactly. two Bond villains. And Quantum of Solace. Awful film. Yes. Well, Quantum of Solace was a, basically a two-hour climax to Casino Royale. Yeah, which was really good. I, I, I ate that one up. But you got a Bond, you got a Bond and two Bond villains. That is that should have done my research to see how unusual that is. And they didn't know. No, no. I mean, actually, funnily enough, I, I, you know, when you do watch Eric Banner, sometimes you, I, I would think, you know, was he ever in contention? Because yeah, he'd be good. I mean, he's really, really good in this. He, what what mm. else he'd done apart from Troy? Well, he, he, Hector he, in Troy, he was one of the worst films ever made. I don't think we should do Troy. <laughs> I was rewatching it again, and it's not. It's I've been trying to find. I had a guest on the podcast. We were talking about the Trojan War, Peter Tonkin, mm. and he 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 was quite fond of the film. Really, for me, it's bad Hollywood. It's the way Hollywood does it in a very it's sort of like glitzy, just Hollywood stars. I thought it was very well cast. I just think the script's a joke. And the actually the the IMDb rating of Troy, and we'll talk mm. about the IMDb rating in Munich, but the IMDb rating of Troy is quite high, uh, seven point three out of ten, which is high for IMDb. I I mm. should mention, listeners, that I think the IMDb ratings are a complete farce and should be ignored. <laughs> it's just what the general public think. Yes, indeed, because they uh, like Brad Pitt, they'll probably give it like eight. Well, Munich got 7.5, which is, Mm. which, as I say, it's a pretty good rating, which is surprising. Well, Eric Banner, apart from Troy, has done recently he's done, I think, a bit of quite a bit of Australian work that we hasn't hasn't been seen particularly widely. But he he did a really good television uh, show where he plays a con man, which was really good. That Dirty Um, John. Yes, Dirty John. I thought that was quite good. I thought he was quite good in it. Well, he was very Uh, good in in uh, Black Hawk Down. Uh, yes, he was very good in that. He was in a film, Hannah, with Saoirse Ronan, who plays an assassin with Kate Blanchett. Henry VIII in, in um, The Other Berlin Girl. Uh, yes, Henry VIII, you're absolutely right. Uh, he was Hulk in The First Hulk. Yes. So, um, I mean, I think we like him. We like. I like, I'm a big fan of Eric Banner. He's really good. Yes, me too. And and there's, there's a, I think, a film called The Dry, which is an Australian drama, which I'm dying to see because it's meant to be very good. And he plays, I want to say a detective. Uh, no, no, maybe he doesn't play a detective. He just, it, it's, it's set in an outback town. And I think they're, they're actually making a sequel. So it's obviously been received quite well. Well, we we were big fans of uh, Aussie cinema on this uh, yes. podcast. Uh, that's why also I'd love to see it. Obviously, it's one of our favourites. I would say, though, of all the films of his I've seen, mm. and I'm including Chopper in this, I would say this is probably his best performance. Yes, I agree. He really carries the film very well. Yeah, um, and, and it's really quite a horrible film. So we should set the scene for listeners. So we banged on about the actors, but listeners who've not seen Munich or may not, maybe I'm familiar with this. So I became slightly obsessed about 20 years ago of this, the whole Munich Olympic. So the Munich Olympics attack was horrific, 1972. And, and that is very much captured in this film, Munich, because, okay, of course it's named after those attacks. This was when uh, Israeli athletes, 11 Israeli athletes were murdered by terrorists from black september as a result of that the israeli government under golda meyer the first iron lady who decided that they were going to hunt down all the planners and any survivors because i think three of the terrorists survived the olympics munich olympics attack and would hunt them down and kill them and this is actually Absolutely true. But one thing we should highlight before we go into the detail, Tim, is that Munich, the film, is based on a book called Vengeance. And mm. that is based on a, an individual who is played by Eric Barner in the film, who plays Avner. He's actually, this book, Vengeance, is written by an author called George Jonas. In, it was written in 1984. And Spielberg's a huge fan of the book. But one thing we should flag is that the the main character of the book, uh, an individual called Yuval Aviv, he claimed to be who Eric Barner plays, i.e. a Mossad officer sent on an assassination team to kill members of Black September in the PLO. 
There are others in Mossad who have denied, who have said that what he claimed was was made up. Some people have described him as a Walter Mitty character. We should highlight that. I mean, mm. I know that Spielberg, expecting to be criticised for making a film based on this account, did a lot of research himself, was comfortable that it was true. I think it's one of those things where it would be difficult to to categorically say because as you see in the beginning of the film he's cut off from Mossad because they can't be seen to be connected with he, him but I think it's he, something we should mention because yeah. there are there are many today who uh, and actually I read another book uh, recently which was really good Rise Up and Kill First by Ronan Bergman who's an Israeli uh, journalist and historian of the Mossad he, he looks at the Mossad's operations post World War II post founding of the state in 49 and then and that's a fascinating book, and we should talk about a little bit more about Mossad operations uh, post forty nine. But in it, he he also casts a bit of doubt about the Avner character. There is always going to be contradictions, and and there are. I, I, so we should. I, I just think we should highlight to listeners that it, it mm. may be that Operation Wrath of God, as it was described, as it was called post the munich olympics that happened that there's no mm. doubt about it um, i think also just... that there's one thing to point out that there was they say that what we follow in munich the film isn't all of what happened because there were apparently other groups looking for the for the planners and and terrorists not just these guys that's right we focus yeah. on one particular little team Yes, and it may be that each team was each cell was working in isolation. But I, and and all the assassinations that I think they cover also happened, apart from one, yeah. I think, which is is a slightly out, a bit of an outlier anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that for mm -hmm. our listeners' benefit. It is an extraordinary operation. The fact that they had, and you see the in the one of the early scenes with Golda Meir and Eric Barner mm. appears and she basically says, we are deciding to, the gloves are off. Such was the shock of the 1972 Olympics attack. He's in, he, he's, he's mm. sent out, he's got his team and that's it, isn't he? Recruited by he has Jeffrey to, Rush. Yes, Jeffrey Rush and the accountant who demands receipts. Yes. I'm all for that, actually. Very important uh -huh. receipts. Well, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> um jeffrey rush is good uh, isn't he he's sort of he's got a sense of humor yes he's a very light character even though he's talking you know life and death uh especially for when he meets them for and he has a, a meal with them uh and he gets a little angry there's always something slightly light-hearted about him but then he can turn just like that. yeah yeah and i suppose it's a, a film device of uh not being too serious all the time because it's a pretty serious film and uh, you mentioned that he meets them at at, at, a, at a lunch abner cooks and this is a theme throughout the film which i'm yeah. assuming you're very good at this stuff i'm assuming this theme is sort of meant to be home uh homeliness cooking because he's I, fascinated I by kitchen yeah. shops as well isn't he yes and then when he meets lonsdale you know he helps who is also a cook they bond initially over their knowledge of, you know, if this fruit is ripe or not, and don't wash it. <laughs> You're going to take all the goodness out. You know, it's all very, well, I, that's a bonding mechanism. And I suppose it is to do with home. You're right, because, because um, you know. Oh, did I come up with that all by myself? And yeah. You've just thought of it. Yeah, I congratulate you. The, you know, the fact that he says, you call me Papa. And he's like, no, 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 I can't do that. I've already got, I've got one. And, you know, very much, I stand by this. This, These are my principles and I respect you for your, for your, what you stand by. I think it's, there was a mutual respect in obviously in that relationship. So Lonsdale plays the hmm. supremo or the papa of this shady French crime organization hmm. that seems to have been established in, out of the embers of the Second World War and the French resistance. And his son is the sort of like informant. Mathieu Amaric. 
Yes, yeah. who gives who gives the info of the whereabouts of these people to Avner and his team. So I think this is also team. rather a. I think I I find this rather problematic actually in the film. The the, mm. the whole idea of some kind of shady French criminal. I'm not saying that there are no French shady French criminal organizations. I'm just saying I I question whether the Mossad would even engage with them, have such a close relationship with them. And well, technically, I, they're not Mossad, I suppose. That's what they're. Yeah, yeah, they're not. You know, but they're... I think I think in having read about the the Mossad operation, it was a series of teams were responsible for each part of the killing. So mm. there was a Mossad team that would find who. Uh, find the targets and then tell the assassination and they let the assassination team know where they were as opposed to some kind of shady mafia style i mean that's obviously probably a cinematic device to make it more interesting yes yes and Uh, a great opportunity to showcase two two great actors yeah you know we can forgive it's not a documentary as they say yeah no Um, absolutely it's obviously one of my favorite types of film it's a it's an ensemble. Ensemble. We like this. Not only is it an ensemble, but it's it's men on a mission. You know, when there's yeah. a team on a mission, you really invest in them because you become. I mean, it becomes you know subjective point of view. You're really, regardless of of the politics involved here. I mean, I'm just talking about the film. Yeah. Uh, and the characters. You really, you know, like. I mean, there's so many men on a mission films, but oh yeah, no, it's great when they sit, when they all when they're all having their lunch. It's all very exciting because you have got Daniel yeah. Craig, Kieran Hines, Kosovitz, mm. the German, and then and then when they they do when they go on a specific assignment, like I mean, the showstopper in the film, I suppose, is the telephone mission where they plant the bomb Paris. in the phone, and then the and then they're about to make the phone call, but then the, they notice that the daughter has come back to the house. And that's shot with, you know, you can't really get more suspenseful. Spielberg shoots this very much like a 70s film, as if it was almost made in the 70s. His camera moves are very 70s. Um, the way the camera pulls back and then put, pulls focus onto someone else and then is moving... And it was a very 70s device. Um, I want to say it was almost like, is it because in those days it cost less to simply zoom the camera as opposed to then stop, you know, do another setup, go closer. And it just, it was like the the snap zooms of the spaghetti westerns, you know, where you go whoosh into the face of, it was just easier because... It just cost less. <laughs> Interesting. So, is it, but is this sort of Sydney Lumet style? Yeah, sort of. Or if you look at like things like the French Connection, the way the camera moves, you go. I, I see. I, I noticed it when, in fact, one of my late later viewings of this, I was like, I, I think he's, he's he's directing this like a seventies film, which is very clever, and it looks seventies. You know, with the production design and the costumes and the cars and I mean, oh, the cars. Brilliant. Yeah, that wonderful Citroen. Yes. Which which was was a Citroen that my dad had when he was an when he was an architect, and it's such an architect's car or a spy, depending on. The Rome, the scenes in Rome, the first the first assassination, mm. which is brilliant in in yes. Rome, all these wonderful Alfa Romeo driving around. It's really detailed. It's interesting because they're not slick. You know, it's not Bond. Yeah, Let's it's in a way, yeah, you absolutely. It's all right. a bit That's awkward. What I really, I thought brilliant and realist, so realistic. Yeah, it? very. It's almost slightly amateuristic with yeah, the gunshots like, like not the, making the, like a the, huge sound. No, and the first, the first killing is 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 you know he's they're hesitant almost, and the guy's shaking and trying to put the he's trying to lower the gun and it and it's kind of like do we don't we and it's you know really really hesitant and not amateur well as you say it's sort of amateur but it's not it's not well it's not james bond no (laughs) when kieran hines in the in the bombing the telephone bombing scene you know it's all it's kind of like panic and 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 the bomb maker doesn't quite it's almost like he he knows what he's doing, except we realise that he's not actually an expert in making them. What does he do? He just it's something else. He's, he admits later on that he's not. He's like I. This is not what I was meant to do, and it's all a bit. You know, people's hands shake, and they're not sure of exactly what. I I actually and the kit's argue, a bit crap. The bombs. Yes. 
I mean, even <laughs> though the bomb maker is, yeah, says himself he's not um, a natural, but even the weaponry as well, the jams, things like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, it's, um, and I love the, I mean, I, you know, obviously the matter of fact violence in Schindler's List is horrifically disturbing. You know, casual nature of killing in that film. But I'd argue that the when they kill the Dutch hit woman, it is so it's one of the most casually disturbing killings Spielberg's ever done, I think, because it's so they shoot her, but don't kill her. And then she sort of stumbles and tries to walk. And Daniel Craig's like, no, hang on, hang on. Don't where are you going? He just sort of as he's trying to fix his 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 device, his shooting device. And she goes over to sort of just hugs the cat as if it's like, oh, I need to hug that. And it's just so casual and awkward that I just thought it was so well staged. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that scene because when I watched that again recently, I, I almost couldn't watch it. It was so awful. It's so, but it's not, it's, it's not choreographed in a filmic way, you know, yeah. it's done in sort of like a really, uh, you know, as if they're just trying to fix something in someone's house. And when they know. shoot her, the, mm. the, the, the quite low velocity weapon they use, they improvise. They're, they're sort of like. Bike pump, disguised yeah, as bike pumps. Bike pumps, yeah. It's not like, um, you know, go straight through her body and there's blood everywhere. No. When she does... It's very subtle. Yeah, the lung. Oh, it's it's horrific. and oh. it's Terrible. And the thing is, it's, it's kind of like... Um, and she's naked as well, which is a key mm. part because mm. one of the assassins, the German, is very uncomfortable later yes. because he didn't cover her up. And, and, and it's very shocking that the, the scene, the last bit where she's sitting yeah. in the chair naked, covered in blood. Mm. Oh. Awful. And it's done, you know, it's just sort of they sort of let her walk away as they're just trying to fix the and reload. Mm. And it's like, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's very well, cleverly done. Go on. Yeah. Normally, when you have sort of opposing assassins, there's a shootout mm. scene and, and um, you know, every. Yeah. And it's all tense and suspenseful and blah, blah, blah. But this was just kind of like. And it felt more realistic as a result. Mm, very. Yeah. Really, really realistic. Mm. But so we she sh- did kill, you know. Yeah, One of colleagues. Well, well, we I think we can do spoilers because it's um 2005 film. So yes, she did kill one of their team. Mm. Um, so we should talk about our um best scene that then, given given that we Ooh, mentioned well, a few. I well, I had the Rome assassination, which is the the first assassination. Mm-hmm. I had the Paris one where you yes described the girl, the yeah. Dutch one. I had. Basically, all the assassinations. Are. <laughs> yeah, that's really disturbing. Cyprus, Athens. yeah. The the. I mean, of course, obviously, there's also the the attack, which I think is done really well. Yeah, the, which is the, excellent. The, the Olympics attack, which is yeah. sort of um, dropped in throughout the film and, and at the end as well. You know, we've seen Steven Spielberg do, you know, the ultimate attack. I suppose in the opening of Saving Private Ryan, it defined all <laughs> gun fights to come so this is he you know he's he doesn't match it but you can tell he's this is easy for him <laughs> i want to well, say yeah I mean, but um, from what i've read and from the documentary in a film that is it's a film it's not a documentary he gets the olympics section done very well i think yeah the only thing he doesn't show is the mm. levels of incompetence from the german authorities during the olympics attack okay so i found it very weird at the climax of the olympics massacre it's quite literally the climax of eric barner with his wife uh, i thought you were going to mention that i didn't realize you were going to mention this now because i'll i know what my non-favorite bit it's just weird the film is. It? it's, it's weird. just it's it's almost like he's borrowed a scene from a channel five soft core i didn't know what was going on because even i just hated that that machine gun fire is flashing up in his face when they're in bed i mean and 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 he he does a vidal sassoon move with his head where his hair and sweats move and 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 i (laughs) and i thought to myself I, every time I've seen it, I've been like, "What? What? What are you? Do? Why have you put this in the film? It's odd. It's cheesy. It's Spielberg going the other way." You know, we're, we're talking about how simple and effective 
the Dutch female, the woman's murder is. So realistic, so natural. Everything in this film has been so real. And then this little thing he does at the end, I just found it really odd and, and a bit jarring. Well, no, very jarring. That's going to be not... We're talking about the favourite scene. That's coming up <laughs> probably in the next bit. Uh, yeah, our most inaccurate scene. Yeah, also unlikely. Unlikely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that really is unlikely. That you would um that, that get would off happen. on that kind of thing, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really... Or 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 you'd you know you'd get off at something, but you're actually super disturbed while it, I mean it doesn't quite make it's... sense to me. Yeah, maybe um... may, yeah, maybe Spielberg's trying to say that you know he's been so disturbed by his uh, assassinations that he's been carrying out that uh, you know I'm not sure he'd be doing that though at no. that point. No. <laughs> and I think also his wife would be uh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, what, can we just it's a bit stop? like he's watching the the documentary one day in September whilst he's yeah. having sex? It's very odd. They're odd, very strange. I'm not sure it was it was the right juxtaposition to cross cut. No, between no. that and and the the highly dis. I mean, wouldn't it have just been much better just to see the attack? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is very effective. And it's yeah, I, it was right. As I say, it yeah, done really well. I actually, whilst we're talking about the problems of the film, mm. um, I also think it's a bit too long. I think they could have cut a lot. Yeah, there, there, there's a little, it drags a little bit. I'm trying to think which section, but I know the section, but I'm trying to figure out where it comes. Well, I um, think the bit after the all the, you know, when he returns to Israel and the general comes mm. over and gives him a hug, you don't need that. You know, you already know you're off. The yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, you can argue that the the it's nice, but the the dinner with the French guys and there are they start to have a bit of an argument. It's really well done. You know, the acting's great. Everything I get the point. You know, but it doesn't advance the plot. I agree. In fact, I find that whole. I think that's the most inaccurate part of it, you know, the mm. whole going to this sort of French family and sitting around. I mean, that that's, sounds like it was, I mean, I don't know, obviously, but it yeah. sounds like it was invented purely for dramatic effect. Yeah. But I felt it slowed it down a bit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So the favourite scene, I, I mean, for different reasons, the suspense of the, the for me, the, the, the Paris attack is brilliant. Because because it's a, an amazingly constructed sequence, some points of the, you get different points of view, and then you know you're, you're when the girl comes home you're, and the phone rings, you you I mean you can't help but be on the edge of your seat. I think that's excellent as well. Yeah. I, my, I think of all the other assassinations, and they're all really well done. Mm. The Dutch one is obviously very striking, which just we've discussed. But then also I think the the Athens attack. Yes, that's good, and. I reason why I and one of the reasons why I love that Athens scene so much, mm. where, which is if you forget, it's not to be confused with the Cyprus one where he gets in the bed. Uh, not that scene. It's the other mm. scene where they're in an Athenian hotel. It looks like it's by Piraeus because it's quite hilly and there's a port in the background. The it's a bit more action packed. It is, and it's also mm. just beforehand they've met this. They've accidentally been in the same room as a PLO faction. Yes. Which is a really great sort of standoff. And, and their bluff is, you know, thinking on the spot and then and then you sort of the tension dissipates. Well, I think they'd all have cover stories that they were. Well, yes. Yeah, of course. But I think it's it's the, sorry, on the, for the audience, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. what the hell has just happened and what's going to happen? And that's it, where he talks about Israel and mm, Palestine. And... Yes, we needed that conversation. Spielberg will always put something like that in, in a film, which I guess is, is, you know, it's good. It's not, it's not, it wasn't overly ex exposed. And the, the actor who plays the PLO terrorist is, I think, an American Egyptian actor. He's really good. He's also in Rendition. Oh, yes, I've forgotten about that, actually. Yeah, and it sort of makes it all the more poignant when the attack happens. Omar Metwali. He's American e Egyptian. He is, The yeah. Dutch in him as well, apparently. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's he's very good in it. And they then meet up again on the operation. Because And, and mm. also involved in that is the conversation... The man that I'm, I've spoken to who plays one of the actors in that scene, Baruch Pruti, but he plays one of the 
KGB hoods. And listeners, here's my chat with Farouk, who appeared in Munich. He's also worked on a number of other films, including Children of Men, Six Underground, Johnny English and Revolver. And I caught up with him to talk about the film Munich. Farouk Pruti, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, so Farouk and uh, listeners, Farouk and I are, are old friends, old colleagues. But Farouk, yeah. I was really keen to get on because, of course, listeners are in the middle of a podcast talking about the film Munich. So Farouk, you've been in many films, but I remember you telling me when I first realised you were in Munich that this is probably this is probably the peak of your like this is your yeah. apex of your film career. Is that yeah, right? it is. Yeah, it was very interesting. It was very challenging, and it was very good because Spielberg was there, also the and the Daniel Craig. Obviously, this, he was announced that he he was doing the uh, James Bond, and yeah, it was very good. Especially I spoke in the Russian language, and it was very challenging and very interesting because I didn't speak the Russian for a long time. But oh yeah, because I was. We were asked. We were wondering about that because we weren't sure if it was actually Russian. So clearly, you cleared that yeah. up for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. The, I did. The, I did the Russian. Uh, obviously, we started practicing, but then yeah, managed to managed to pass. I mean, Spielberg said okay. When he said okay, this means it's okay. And ha- what's it like working with Spielberg? Is he? Uh... It is. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's very. He's very sort of. He will let you do the stuff you want to do. And he doesn't inter- interfere too much. Really? And, uh, yeah, he sort of just stand on side, just see what you're doing. And then he's, at the end, he was very, yeah, very positive, very encouraged. Well, I was and really then, pleased because you didn't get killed. That's it. I was I was mainly for part two. I was left, uh, hopefully, to get to Munich 2. The just sequel. In case. The sequel, in case. <laughs> in case that it was a scene, yeah. And then, yeah, and then it was the ice. I saved myself for the next part. Yeah, that was the sort of the they let us do what it was shoot of the night. It was shoot. Of, uh, we were filming in. A, yeah, because it's meant to be Athens, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, meant to be Athens. No, it, it, Malta actually. It was, it was meant oh. to be uh, Malta. It was he, he booked the whole town for the three days, and then we we obviously shoot at midnight, sort of. Yeah. And I took my family over there, and then we had a good time, obviously. And then it was interesting because kids were uh, small, and then they enjoyed the party. It was very good. Did you have get a chance to speak to Eric Barner? But yeah, he was obviously he's uh, he's originally from his he's obviously from Australia, but his parents are from Croatia. Really? Yeah, yeah. That is, he's the uh, he's the he's far. I think his his father is from. It was from Croatia, and then he. Uh, but they emigrated a long time ago. Lots of people from Croatia they emigrated in, to Australia, basically. Yes, yeah. yes. And then yeah, it was interesting speaking with him. And then yeah, he was lots of, lots of people around. And then yeah, it was good that he said actually he's from Croatia originally. This was very interesting. And Daniel Craig was announced to be James Bond. That so you knew he was going to be Bond when you were filming. But he he was sort of he they announced. They said it. it's going to. They they made the newspaper and all this. And Munich was changed the name. It was meant to to be something else. But then they, through the filming, I believe they changed the name to Munich. The mentors, I, I for me it was very. I had experience for back home. From because of the war, and then also I understand a little bit. The war in Yugoslavia. Yeah, war in Yugoslavia basically is a sort of. Do you mean was, like hatred between people? But there's hatred people and then people who are very similar, who are very the same, and suddenly they hate each other. Then then they're killing each other, then be, these victims become the same like the other guys. And that's what the Spielberg tried to... The cycle explain. of violence, yeah. Yeah, that he said that people who are victims, they become the same like the other people there who are killed. Yeah. Are killed. He, he's, turning, he's turning you into the something that you never thought you were going to be. Especially when, for me, it was because I was part in war one year and a half. But I never thought, I I did kill, I never killed, but maybe, no, I didn't. But I was in war and it's, it's so, I saw the people. And it's, yeah, you, you come across, you become a totally different person. 
Wow. And then as you become a different person, you 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 do some stuff which you never thought you would be able to to do it when you are in a in a normal situation. And people change. Their mind change, their behavior change and things change and it's totally different circumstances. But then it sort of can be some explanation why things happen, which is sad. Yeah. But that's what war, what was war, that was uh, that what war bring to the people. But some people become very nice and they're saying, but some people became very totally you wouldn't believe. But yeah, that's how it is. And then it's similar to this uh, Jewish and Palestine people, and then because they are, end of the day, they're very same. They're similar, so or more or less the same, but just praying to God in different ways. Thank you very much for speaking no to problem. me. Thank yes. you very much for your call and very good to to see you and to, to hear you. Good one. And that's all a bit of a surprise for the Mossad group. And, and mm. I mean, this speaks to the other part of the film that I love is all these different spy agencies are involved in the 70s in Europe and they're all involved in different ops. But the characters often cover. So later on in London, you, you get a scene where the CIA clash with the Mossad team. That scene's actually really good as well. Really good. Um, because you don't quite know what's going on at the time. And they don't know what's going on. No, which is because obviously we're looking at it from a subjective point of view, from yeah. from Arabana's point of view. You know, essentially they were trying to stop them because of their interest in... Uh, who are they trying to... Uh, uh, the guy who orchestrated the, the, the attacks, Has, the main uh, guy. Ali Hassan Salami. Yes, exactly. Him and Abu Daoud, who's who I think they 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 don't manage to get are the masterminds behind the attack. Although mm. you know it depends who you speak to. So a lot of people uh, deny yeah. that Salami mm. had anything to do with it. He was the sort of target of their of their attacks. He was a, he was a he was an uh, interesting character. He was came from a wealthy background and was a bit of a playboy. Always had attractive women on his arm. He was um, wealthy, so he lived in sort of very nice houses all over Europe. He was eventually, wasn't he eventually got? They eventually, he was killed. Mm. What What is not covered in this film, which did happen, was that when they tried to get Salame, they thought he was in Norway, in Lillehammer. And so mm. a Mossad team went out to Norway and they thought they'd found the guy. He was living with a Norwegian who... Um, I think she was pregnant at the time. So anyway, they waited for him and they shot him, killed him. And it turned out he was a Moroccan waiter. He was completely innocent. And Norwegian police, I think, arrested a couple of Mossad agents. The main mastermind behind that Mossad team called, I think his surname was Harari, who actually makes a very brief appearance at the beginning of the film in the scene with Golden Mayer. He ran a, a Mossad cell in Europe hunting down the, the Black September terrorists. Mm. That was a highly controversial incident, and basically, it meant that Goldemeyer suspended the whole operation, Operation Wrath of God. So Farouk Peruti, just mm. um, who you know, who I know, mm -hmm. plays the KGB agent, and there are two KGB agents in that scene, and Farouk survives, thank God. As, <laughs> uh, and they're chatting in Russian in the background, and then, and obviously, when the attack happens, they they spring into KGB action. So Farouk uh, chats about his role. He was Farouk's in many. He's got quite a good IMDb. Farouk, so mm -hmm. I'll put it in for the listeners. And we have another connection in the film. Yes, uh, right at the beginning when the attacks happen, as the cameras moving down the line of press, reporters. Uh, with their microphones talking to their respective country, their cameras, as an actor called Patrick Kennedy, who was a year below us at school and then went on. Spielberg got him into War Horse and has done some really good work. So, I mean, he's a great actor, actually. He well, was he's a... very good in um, London Has Fallen. The Yes, he is very good. Jared Butler <laughs> trilogy. And he played he played Polonius in the production of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead that I directed at school. Yes. <laughs> and he was very good. Very memorable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but I would say Farouk's role was has more impact in Munich, I would argue. Yes, I would agree with you there, because I don't think we can really hear much of what Patrick is saying. 
Well, Farouk is speaking in was supposedly Russian. Supposedly. Anyway. Yes. Uh, and now one scene that we mm. haven't mentioned. Well, actually, I don't know why. Uh, this is probably my favourite scene. So this is my nomination for favourite scene. And this is Operation, I think it's Operation Spring of Youth, which was within that wider Operation Wrath of God. And they got very wonderful names for operations. These And Operation Spring of Youth, it's so audacious, you're amazed it even happened. But it was in Beirut. And members of the... Israeli special forces took motorboats from the Mediterranean Sea into Beirut and there they met uh, Mossad members. They took off this, their, um, some of the shorter members of the group, including Ehud Barak, future prime minister of Israel, who led the operation, dressed up as women and along with the taller members, pretended to be holidaymakers and approached the PLO compound in Beirut and got in. And that's where they killed three members of the PLO Black September. And there's about 50 odd soldiers in this. It's the most extraordinary operation that happened. It was mm. unbelievable that such an audacious attack could happen. And it's, in, it's, it's a scene that Spielberg does brilliantly. Yeah, the operation, for me, the operation was better than the actual scene in the film. <laughs> Oh. Only because when I compare it to the Paris bombing and actually, you know, even the, the, the Athens attack, the, when he runs upstairs and gets a pin out of the grenade and throws it and he's just like, he, he's so steadfast, that character in this is what the job we need to get this done. But that's the um, Athens. That's the Athens. Yes. Attack. Not the Beirut one. That's no, not the Beirut. Attack. But the, the right. well, yeah. So I was so I mean. In terms of, I guess the build of suspense is what I find really good, really brilliant in this film. As opposed, I mean, the Beirut attack is really good, and I get and and the 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 organisation of it is brilliant. But for me, it was a little bit by the numbers, you know, gunfire here and then and then. Oh yeah, but um, I love that. I, that. To me, it was like so realistic <laughs> because you had these the the machine gun fire in a built up area. It was almost. Mm. It's completely different to heat, I get, but I'm, the sound was very good. Yes, yeah, sound design. And then when they're in the in the block of flats, when they they're trying to look for the pillow guy, so they've put the picture up against the the guy who's lying yeah. down. Yeah, is that him? Yes, that's yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the machine. yeah. Very, it is very good. I mean, you know, we'll go with that because you've oh, well, no, you've, yeah. you've done you've you've argued very well. <laughs> okay, but you know, even there's sort of realism behind being shot by a machine gun, which you don't often mm -hmm. see, where you you get mm -hmm. little fires going off with all the, mm -hmm. you know, the smoking. Yeah, on. yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, you know, and then when yeah, when he when he shoots him on the bed, yeah, and the bed catches fire. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's really and Stuff it's so like well that. done. It must yeah. it's must take a heck of a lot of. I don't know, the, how, they, yeah, I don't know how they do that. Um, very clever. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it shows yeah, the brutality of 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 mm. this kind of, you know, because the husband and wife are both shot together. Yes, um, which actually and, happened, and it just reminds me of how you know how everything is so matter of factly done in this film. It's not glossed up. I don't think because I don't think we've mentioned the like the, you know the I, beginning when he when the attacks happens yeah, and the guy's through, shot, shot through the and mouth, it comes yes. out of his cheek. It's yes. and he and he sort of just grabs his cheek and walks up. In most Hollywood films, you know, he there'd be some sort of dramatic screaming and shouting and then he'd probably well, people tend not to get shot through the mouth in Hollywood films. It's a clean no, it's true. through the through they the need to do that more often. Yeah, but I think the thing that we haven't mentioned is maybe maybe the shock and anger felt in Israel post seventy two massacre mm. massacre at the Olympics. So much so that you know I think a majority of the population demanded a response. That attack at the Olympics was so mm. shocking. I mean, mm. it's a horrifically brutal um, mm. terrorist attack. It's awful. Mm. You can see why the people of Israel demanded such a response. Yes, I mean, so you 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 know, in terms of what exactly happened, whether you know, we're talking about the film. It's, I mean, it doesn't. It's not a judgment. I don't think Spielberg's intention was to make a judgment. Well, the the judgment on... is about the cycle of revenge. You keep on, you just keep on going, and it never ends. Mm. Like he says. Yeah, but I, I think yeah, I think that's, your, that's Spielberg's argument, isn't it? It's. Uh, yeah, I suppose violence so. begets violence. Is, yeah, in and um, you know, it's one way to look at it. Like the metaphor of the fingernails. Why do I cut my fingernails? I'll just grow back. Is is a 
good point. Yes. Uh, but he's not justifying anything, I don't think. I think he's just saying, it's no, very... th- th- if you do keep going, it- it'll just keep going. It, yes, yes. You it's won't... very clumsy at the end, though. I f- I found it unnecessary and clumsy to which, show the which... World Trade Center. Um... Yeah, I don't. I, I I didn't. I'm not totally sure what the point of that was. I know what the point was. Sorry, but I don't know wh- why he wanted to make the point that he was making. It's going to come back and bite the Americans. I d- yeah. I mean, but but the connection. I was like, why, why, why? Yeah, the Americans weren't really involved in the um, in in any of this. No. We get a brief CIA hint, but other than mm. that, there's not there. And I don't, I'm not entirely sure. Or is it a global either. point? A point he's making that violence is going to spread itself through all ev- all nations, everything's. It's going to, and it's like, yeah, but that's not the point of the I film. Suppose, yeah, it's a bit. But as I say, that's just clumsy. Mm. A bit like the the sex scene. Yeah, the, I think I think you know uh, it's it's if the film is two hours forty minutes, I think it could have lost a good half hour. Yeah, I agree. Um, so wait, best scene. What do we agree on? Best scene. So your 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 operation your spring yeah. of youth. Yeah, fantastic stuff. That <laughs> uh, it sounds like I'm reveling in the violence. I'm not, but it is just so well. No, done. but I mean, it's not. I mean, the whole film really is a. I mean, it's you know, the, it's a violent film. Right. Well, now, best performance. So I had three nominations, one one of which is very, very short, but I thought she mm-hmm. was fantastic in it. And that was Lynn Cohen as Golda Meir. Okay. That is very brief. Eric Barner, of course. And then I had Kieran Hines. I think uh, if push came to shove, it would be Eric Barner. I think, I mean, the thing is, he's it's difficult because with our the ones that we, these films, I'm trying to think, well, not all of them, I suppose, but it's very difficult if you don't. Well, like with Lincoln, nominate you have to pick the scene. Yeah, you the, the, yeah, but the thing is, is Eric Banner does carry the film really because the camera's on him pretty much the whole yeah, time, isn't it? Pretty much. And if you, it, it, <laughs> he has that very like good. He's very good at that tired, sort of burnt out look, emotionally exhausted. Principle. I mean, he's obviously got his goal is kind of always in his eyes you know you, you this guy's on a mission and you know if we don't if we nominate if we give it to someone else like kieran hines you could technically give kieran hines that award for everything he's done because yeah he does he's kieran hines playing that. kieran hines isn't he he's really yeah good. but he's but he, he he's that guy who he's one of those great supporting actors who um i mean he has played leads the odd lead but he's always you know, he pops up in these films and you're like, well, he's... Very good in Miami Vice, plays an FBI. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, yeah. brilliant. And, you know, always Kieran Hines reliable. Yeah, so we have to give it to Eric Barner. I just realised this, you know, we're giving it to... Giving the Simon Baker Acting Award to Eric Barner. That's the third Australian. Australian. Yeah. Third Australian who's, who's won the award with Mel um, Gibson. Good. Uh, Simon Baker's going to be so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Simon Baker has never been mentioned so much. No, on the air. Um, and I think I may have told you about this, but I'm not sure on on air. He is the lead in a new in a, an Australian film that's been. Just I went to Melbourne Film Festival. I think it is Limbo, and it's I believe a black and white. I mean, he looks very cool in it. Follows the investigation of a 20 year old outback cold case murder by him, but a detect- he's a detective. Oh, it's just right up my street. Yeah, it just looks amazing. And it's directed by a director, Australian director called Ivan Sen, who created the television, great Australian television series, Mystery Road, which they did two series of. I saw the, fir- the film, the original film, which is brilliant. Yeah, great film. He's made this and it looks amazing. So Simon Baker, everyone, Simon Baker. Simon Baker. <laughs> well, Eric Barner, uh, so we'll give him the... Um... Mm the Simon Baker Award for Best Performance. And then the, I think we agreed on the most inaccurate scene was the this French uh, mafia family. Yeah, that's, I guess, the most inaccurate. Uh, yeah. The one I like the most is the one at the end, but... Yeah, that's just a weird... Ugh. Just odd. Mr. Um, what were you thinking? And then, right, then what's our, our other category then? 
is oh uh, legacy scene best performance best most inaccurate and legacy yes now i don't know if it's up there with when people go when you go steven spielberg they naturally will jaws jurassic park schindler's list uh, saving private ryan yeah jaws uh, i don't think they i mean like we did with lincoln you know it's not yeah one that they so poor old Spielberg is not doing well on the whole legacy legacy points. Which is, well, yeah, I can't believe do... we just said that, but yeah. <laughs> quite possibly the most successful film director in history. <laughs> yeah, well, the, for these two particular, I mean, if mm. we were talking about Jaws, mm. it would be, you know, he, he cinematically that's mm. it's influenced even today. It's influenced. Well, let's let's put it like this. I always this is what I always say about Steven Spielberg. Think about this, right? The amount of of either characters or something, you don't need to mention his films. You don't need to mention the titles of his films. You just say, so this director, he did the one with the shark. He did the one with the dinosaurs. He did the one with the archaeologist. He did the one with the alien that comes down and points with a finger. He did the one with the, the hand signal with the music. Na, 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 na. He did the one with the, the, ho- the, the Holocaust. He did the one with the amazing opening beach of World War II attack. I mean, he you don't need to say the film names and he's like he's done (laughs) the most some of the most famous films ever. Now, the thing is, then you go, well, he did the terrorist attacks in Munich. Now, a lot of people will be like, "Uh," if they didn't know. Yeah. You know, or or he did the one about the president in 18 in the 19th century. You know, they're not as iconic as the the one with the shark or the archaeologist. Do you think he was making t- films too frequently around then? Well, between 05 and, and 12. I don't know. I don't, I mean. I, I'm just I trying to think of a reason why. Because mm. Spielberg films are an event, aren't they? But if you're bashing them yeah. out, I don't know. But I'm saying that without having checked. when. Well, or... I don't think he bashes them out like Woody Allen bashes out one every year that, you know, sometimes miss the mark. Uh, every now and then he'll make a brilliant film like Blue Jasmine was brilliant I thought Midnight in Paris was really good but you know every now and then it just he well he it. made he made War of the Worlds because... in the same year as Munich mm. he then waited three well, years and then had the yeah. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull mm. yeah <laughs> and then waited another three years and then Tintin and Warhorse and then Lincoln in 2012 and Bridge of Spies 2015 so yeah it's not like he is getting carried away but there are some really good films in his post 2000 list Mm. that I think you're right they don't really I mean Catch Me If You Can is really underrated I mean as I said Minority Report I thought was brilliant War Horse I thought was not no I didn't think it was very good despite the appearance of Patrick Kennedy Uh, yeah and uh, Ben Cumberbatch Bridges Spies was good though. Bridges Spies was great, and I thought the post was the post was very good. Yeah, the post would be that would be a great double bill with all the president's men. So the Pentagon Papers, very Mm. good, and then Watergate, obviously afterwards. So, 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 really, we're saying Munich doesn't have much of. I mean, how? I mean, in the Oscars, it got nominations. uh, Yeah, I was looking at this. I, I'm, I would have nominated Eric Banner for Best Actor. He didn't Um, even get a nomination. No. Uh, which I think is a bit odd because I think uh, the winner that year. Well, that that year the nominations: David Strathairn for Good Night and Good Luck, mm-hmm, which is a, a good film. But yeah, Joaquin Phoenix, Walk the Line, Heath Ledger mm-hmm. for Brokeback Mountain, mm-hmm. and Terence Howard for Hustle and Flow, and but then the, the winner, winner Philip Seymour Hoffman for for Capote. But that's a really strong year for actor. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. I still think Eric Banner should have got nominated, though. Yeah, but instead um, of who? Phoenix. Who was, who was the first one? David Strathairn. I mean, he was good. The thing is, he. Yeah, I mean, that was a good film. At good night. And I think good luck, that film. But... It was a good film, but it was the sort of film that Hollywood loves. I guess you know Eric Banner's. It, when they were doing the nominations, it's almost like they were like, "We've got to, we've got to cut one." You know, if I just feel that Eric Banner was with the one that they went, you know, maybe we just got to cut him. I don't know. I just thought he was really good. I mean, oh, and the other thing that I, I really wanted to mention was I, it's, I love the score of Munich. I think John Williams' score is, again, an underrated score of John Williams. I think it's so moving. It's such a lovely melody. He does it with the, guitar, the classical guitar, and I just think it's really 
It's well, he really... got nominated, didn't he? He's been nominated almost every single school he's ever written. <laughs> but it didn't win any any uh, any Oscars. I guess also it's that, that maybe it was because it was a bit controversial. They didn't know. They were like, oh. Yeah. But it yeah. is Steven Spielberg, so they love him, though. Uh, maybe they feel like after after Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan, they've sort of ticked the Spielberg box. Yes, that's true. Uh, yeah, I agree. All right, so Legacy doesn't do very well. Oh, dear, that's a shame. But um, <laughs> I think, you know... I'm not sure how you judge. It's a difficult one to judge. Hopefully, this podcast will put it back on the map. You never know. Well, Tim, this has been fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, so Thank you so much for having September, me. October. Mm. I think we were thinking of... Master and Commander and the Bounty. And the Bounty. When it comes to the Bounty, I, I have a feeling I know uh, they're going to see, they're going to, we're going to agree on a lot of maybe best actor, best scene. <laughs> but it's another uh, Australian film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose, I mean, the, the director Rogers is Australian. Donaldson. Yeah. Um, is, he, is he Australian? Or is he Kiwi? No, I, uh, he, he directed. It's just a, I don't know why it's, I've just suddenly thought of it. And another Anthony Hopkins film, which I think is a sleeper, brilliant, brilliantly underrated film called The World's Fastest Indian. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, I enjoyed um, that. Uh, yeah. Which is based on a true story. Uh, but The Bounty, I suppose you could call it an Australian film, Australian-British film. We've got a great cast of actors who are just before they become famous. So yeah. And some who are leg- legends like Laurence Olivier. Yes, who plays my ancestor. Mm. Oh yes, yes, that's true. Yes. I did, I remember you saying Admiral Hood and Edward yes. Fox. Yes, wonderful stuff. Um, well, we love Edward Fox, don't we? I think I sat next to Amelia Fox on the overground on very early on Sunday morning the other day. Yeah, it's almost like you're bound to sit next to a fox. At yeah, some they're point. all over the place, especially <laughs> in London. There's one in particular who's insistent yeah. he's everywhere. Right. This is fantastic, Tim. Thanks very much. Thank you, Ollie. Been brilliant. Uh, until next time. Thank you very much for listening. Please do share, rate and review if you can. The Bounty is coming up in next month's film club and plenty more great history to come. Until then, thank you and good night. <laughs>